Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome to this week's episode of the Baseball Together Podcast, Baseball Family. This week we have some massive lockout updates, a couple retirements, and the most exciting 12 seconds in sports. Nine Plus Us presents the Baseball Together Podcast, with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Kansas City Little Big Briggy Blue Eyes. And now, Baseball Together. Welcome to another episode of the Baseball Together podcast, Baseball Family. As usual, I am one of your hosts. My name is Brad. And this week, as per usual, we have our guy with us, Brig. Welcome, Brig. How are you today? I'm okay, Brad. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you very much Good. for asking. I appreciate that. Well, there's. I'm going to stop saying I'm surprised, Brig. I'm surprised yeah. at the news we have. I'm not surprised we have news. I'm surprised at the news we have. It's been interesting to say the least. Would that be fair, do you think? Incredibly fair. Yes, sir. Well, good. I'm glad that I can be fair. And if nothing, you should be consistent, right? So you can be anything. If you, There you go. All right. Anyway, now that I botched <laughs> that, let's get into this. So we're going to start things off as we have been. The most interesting news available, the stuff that we're all looking for and craving, lockout updates. Now, this last week has been fascinating to watch. Fascinating is right. If you love train wrecks, this is premium content for you right here. Like, <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, Brig, I love a good train wreck. <laughs> this is schadenfreude at its finest, for sure. <laughs> so, all right, let's... We're gonna we're gonna get you updated here. We're gonna start with a little timeline first, okay? So you can get caught up to speed if you're not there so far. So first things first, we had uh, at 12 a.m. Eastern time uh, last year, December December second, the 2021, the lockout officially began. The CBA expired a minute before, and then within like two minutes, the owners had officially locked out the players. Yep. Now Rob Manfred sent a letter to fans quote-unquote letter to fans (laughs) that ended with this line specifically okay now this is the interesting thing here said i remain optimistic that both sides will seize the opportunity to work together to grow protect and strengthen the game we love mlb is ready to work around the clock (laughs) around the clock (laughs) to meet that goal i urge the players association to join us at the table okay now Let's get in. Where where have we been since then, Brig? <laughs> where has Major League Baseball and the owners, where have they been since then? Well, I have a calendar in front of me, and it was one, two, three, four, five, six weeks. Count them, six weeks, Brig. That's before. as long as Groundhog Day says it will be bad weather. That's a long time. It's a long time. <laughs> and <laughs> that, that was before there was any discussion about the core economic issues which is yep. what's been holding everything up. And, you know, to say that there hasn't been any discussion, I don't necessarily know because as we get further into this, we're going to see a little bit more about how players are like, we're waiting, we're here, we're ready, yeah. you know. Right. So that was that was January the 13th. And then on the 24th, um, that was the next Monday, they met, 
And then they swapped proposals again on Tuesday. That was the 25th. And then they said, let's take some time. We'll go back and we'll discuss. We'll come back, which, you know, makes sense. I get it. However, uh, the next makes sense. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a little bit of time makes sense. A week to me does not, honestly, when you're at risk no. for losing as much money as these guys are. Uh, so the next Tuesday, they came back. This was February the 1st. They swapped proposals. MLB said they were going to have a counter proposal that they're going to bring back two days later. Two days later. And instead of bringing back a counter proposal, they said, no, we want federal mediation. They wanted yep. to bring in a federal mediator to take care of this problem for them. And as expected, Friday the 4th, the players rejected mediation. They said, no, we don't need it because we're here waiting for you. You need to get your act together and get this taken care of. And that's the issue that I have with this whole thing is that the owners and I just, first off, I got to say, I think like lockouts and strikes are just like such a funny thing because these two sides just butt heads so fiercely for so long. Yeah. And then once they have an agreement, they're like, okay, let's go do our thing. Yep. I don't know how that works. Suddenly there are no hurt feelings. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Owners are it's the back same down. with like owners are back down in the clubhouse, shaking hands and congratulating guys on good games. And guys are like, Hey, you know, good to see you. Glad to see you around, you know, same thing with like the GM and everything, but it's like, Right now, like, it's mm. Mortal Kombat, man. Yeah, it's ugly. And that's why I'm glad they have representatives and it's not, like, a free-for-all discussion, first of all. But it, mm -hmm. because there are representatives, you know, on behalf of either side, it makes you wonder, like, I always, every time we say the players are saying this, it's like, are the players saying that or is it Tony Clark? It's like, right. well, the league, the, the owners are saying this. It's like, is it the owners or is it the league president? <laughs> so like, is it the, <laughs> the league saying this? Yeah. Like, where is that actually coming from? And it's, you know, not to be political, but it's like, you know, is that what your constituency wants? <laughs> right. Or is that yeah. your gut feeling and you're going to run it into the ground? Or are you, do you, you have know, an agenda? I do have, to say, I do have to say, though, that like, this is the one lockout that I've seen, at, le at least in my in my memory as far as like being involved and following and things like that. Um, this is the one lockout that I'm like, I see exactly what they're trying to do. I understand yeah. exactly why the players are upset and what they're trying to do to improve things for the future, because that's always the thing, right? We're trying to, we're trying to improve things for the future of the game. It's like, well, no, you're no. not like you're hurting it right now, but I understand. Yeah. I can see what the players are doing because there is no like middle class in baseball. It's been completely no. eliminated. And granted, like there are like two or three, maybe 10 guys tops who are responsible for that. But they're also like, but still, like when you're coming in, you deserve to get paid because you've been working for this since you were like four and a half yeah. to reach this point. That's right. You know, and it's taken everything you've had to get here. Some guys have foregone school to get to this point. They yep. got some kind of halfway degree so they could get to this point. They don't have. You know, like you and I, we went through school and worked hard to get our degree so we could get a job in the real world, kind of, somewhat that we do, you know? <laughs> but like, we're using our education here more than in any other scenario in uh, the rest of our lives. <laughs> exactly, exactly right. But like these guys, like they're trained to play baseball. Yeah. That's they're right. not trained to go out and do something else else generally speaking so it's like yeah sure. they deserve to get 
a pretty good chunk of money for doing that and then being a part of this is my thing brig like i'm i'm going on a little bit of a rant here but like i love i was thinking rant. i was thinking about this the other day and it's like i have a hard like used to i was like man i had a hard time siding with the players because the owners the ones who signed the checks right it's like this but they're not the doing the work right. they're not doing the work that there are 25 guys 26 guys now in that clubhouse who are putting together all the work to bring in billions with a big yeah. fat B brig billions right. of dollars to your organization. And those 25, 26 guys, 40, if you want to expand it out to the 40 man roster, those guys deserve to be paid appropriately. And that's where it comes. That, like, that's what it's kind of clicked and come, come down to for me is that like having been somebody who's worked for a company that I saw that they're basically printing money. Right? right. But I saw how much I was making. And I was like, Mm. No, I I know exactly where my what my role is in this. <laughs> I think I deserve a little slice of that pie, but there was nothing, right? Right. And so I I left. I pieced out because I wasn't having it. These guys don't have the option to really go somewhere else to make more money because this true. is the maximum earning potential they have. And so the owners need to kind of need to pay up. And then I think so. Claiming poor just doesn't sit well with me. Don't play the poor card with me. Billions is a lot of money. Yeah, it is. And even if you are in a small market, I still, and I don't claim to understand every in and out and all the economics, et cetera. But what I do know is that the industry wide, if there is an enormous dis disparity, which there is, by the way, mm -hmm. then we need to go ahead and solve that problem as well, right? Mm -hmm. So that the small market teams can share in that big old fat B and not, and not leave it just to those four or five teams that that print money right yeah yep because yeah, if that's exactly. the problem if you're a small market club and you're saying but we're not in that group be like well you are though you're guilty mm -hmm. by association so you need to use yeah. whatever influence you can muster and leverage yourself a better position like you absolutely have to well and that's what and the a players lot of what are the, doing and well a lot of what the players are proposing is like a solution to the problem like we understand the a's don't have any money we understand right. There are small market teams that struggle because they don't get the TV deals. They don't get the endorsement deals that the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Red Sox that they get. Yeah. The players understand that because they see it in free agency. There's a reason they sign with the teams that they do. Yes. So the players have even proposed things like a rev sharing pool to help teams meet a minimum, a salary floor, right? Like yeah. they've proposed solutions to the problems that have been presented and major league baseball is still sitting on their hands saying, I don't know what to do. Well, and that's why I I wonder how much of this is a popularity contest. That's not the P word I was looking for. But how much of it is a contest or a battle of wills um, between Tony Clark and Rob Manfred and not exactly their their people, not the people they're representing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I wonder, like, we're not – and that's the problem with this arrangement until now – we're not hearing from the the group being represented on either side. None of the owners have said anything. They're letting right. Rob Manfred say everything for them. And only recently have we heard from the players themselves. And even then, a lot of them are cryptic. Did you see what Didi Gregorius posted? I it didn't was see just what like posted, no. it was a gif. It was super vague. It was of uh, Heath Ledger's Joker, and it was like, oh what man, does, what does that mean though? See, because you can you can extrapolate whatever almost whatever you want out of that. And mm -hmm. Didi yeah. is a social media 
magician. So unless you're getting the explicit information like Bauer gives out, where we know exactly how he feels about every single thing, then, you know, we're left to, to wonder, but at least the players are communicating publicly. Yeah, um, it is important. And, you know, let's skip over because we had something we want to talk about next, but like as a result of the rejected mediation and the, even just the pr- proposal of the mediation, uh, we had players speaking out, uh, they're furious for good reason. I mean, from the very beginning, the players have not been happy. They've all taken that anonymous player uh, avatar that are, that's being used on MLB.com right now, yeah. and they're all using that as their Twitter avatars because they're like, if this is who baseball sees me as, then this is who I'm going to be, you know. So, yep. um, but specifically, Mets pitcher Trevor May. Sorry, Trevor May is not a pitcher. Anyway, Trevor May said. Uh, on Twitch, he was playing video games on Twitch, and guys just kind of rant when they do this, and I love it. I got to get on these and watch them sometime. But this is what he said: He said, "Not a single negotiation with the guy talking about Rob Manfred has been in good faith. He doesn't do good faith things." And honestly, I feel like that goes back to the pandemic thing. Yeah, that the players were trying to get as long of a season as possible in that they suggested, you know, like we'll play this many double headers, we will work overtime for you, basically. So we can get in as many games, and so you can get as much money from TV deals as possible. And Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball drugged their feet. They said, oh, well, no, they hemmed and hawed, and then eventually they decided on 60 games because that's all they had time for. And he said 60 games was always the target. That is not good faith negotiating. No, it's not. I mean, Trevor May is spot on with this, and this is the biggest problem I've had this whole time, is that Rob Manfred's over here just like dragging his feet with the owners, and they're not doing anything to move forward. They, he needs to go, man. He does. I mean, he Marcus, does. Marcus Stroman called him man clown, right? Which is very, very in line with with how we feel. Um, it is. Because um, you're new to the show. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about it the third episode. <laughs> <laughs> we did third episode we went into this and we, we just we think it's been so bad and you know what though like the commissioner before um before bud Selig was a Faye vincent uh yeah Faye, was uh, anyway uh was forced to resign really yeah, Franson T. Vincent Jr. the third was forced to resign oh, yeah. in 1992, and then we had the lockout or the the strike in '95. In '94, yeah, or, yeah. Sorry, '94. Then had the '95 season, but yeah, like so. Who it's was not there before? Was there there was there not a commissioner between '92 and '98 when Selig came in? I think he was acting commissioner. I don't think that he was. Mm. It doesn't look like he was actually like put in officially, but. Uh, but he held the title from what I read. He was he who must not be named for the while. Yes. For, yes, exactly. for years. <laughs> yeah, several years. But I don't know. It's it's so frustrating to see how this is going, though. And like see Ma- Rob Manfred, who the players understand, doesn't understand baseball. But the owners are like, this is a guy who has a, a law degree from Cornell and specialized in labor negotiations and re- and relations and things like that. But he doesn't do a good job with it. I have a degree in health science. I'm terrible at it. <laughs> like, there's a reason I don't work in it. Like, there you go. <laughs> I wasn't good at it. You don't have to, you don't have to be good at something just because you have a degree in it. Like, 100%. yeah, it's, oh man. But speaking of qualifications, so we have Rob Manfred who has, like I said, a Juris doctorate degree in uh, labor negotiations and relations and things like that. Um, so 
despite regardless of how good he is at his job or not he's got the he, he's got the credentials right yeah like that that's a big thing that is really a big thing For well sure. i was thinking about this week and i've i've always had i think i've always talked about how i have a, a problem with tony clark being the executive director of the players association mm-hmm. uh so i was curious does he have like a degree <laughs> Or the creds, right? Any creds. Yeah. yeah. And the thing that I found was that, so he was drafted out of high school and played major league baseball. He did play basketball at university of Arizona and also at San Diego state, but he left early to pursue his baseball career, okay. which, you know, worked out for him. He had a, he had a good career, solid career. Uh, but then he was brought back into the fold. Uh, he was hired on, as the MLBPA's director of player relations in 2010. And so Michael Weiner at the time was the executive director. So he was basically supposed to like what um groom. Groom. Yeah. Like yeah, he was supposed to like work beside him to learn the job, but then then Weiner like expectedly passed away because he had a brain tumor. Yeah. And so Tony Clark was pretty much given a battlefield uh promotion, right? Yep. Yep, and it's and the article I read said that his intention was to go finish his degree in history and then go get a law degree. That stuff didn't happen because. No. So here the players have a former player who they all relate with. They all like yeah. that he's a former player because he gets them. Yep, and he's got a team of lawyers around him as he should, but the guy going to the table doesn't have the credit. I don't feel like I feel like the owners are disrespecting him because of it. I think you're probably right. Honestly, because you look at the other players associations in the major North American sports, the NBA has Tamika Tamaglio. She's new just this year, but she has a Juris doctorate and an MBA. Yeah. Maurice Dury, uh, Demora Smith of the NFLPA, Juris doctorate. Donald Fair, I hope I'm saying that right, of the NHLPA, Juris doctorate. These guys are, these people are credentialed. They are. In their ability to represent a player union. And I just feel like the players need somebody to be able to like, you know, slap that down on the table and put themselves on the even playing field with the owners. Cause I don't think they're going to get that respect until they do. I think you're right. And you know what? We were kicking around one name uh, over the last maybe 10 days or so. And it's been a lot of fun <laughs> Yeah. because then it came out that we are not alone in our opinions about this. Didn't somebody jump the gun and, and uh, post it on the group or something that, what did you so, tell me happened that somebody confirmed our our uh, opinion without us knowing it? Well, so our good friend Jewel, who's who's been on the podcast, Jewel, he filled in while you were Jewel. gone. That's yeah, he actually was. he tweeted something out. Uh, it was it was last week. He said, um, "Let me find it real quick." Uh, but he said that basically he said that Rachel Luba needs to be the one representing the players' union. And yeah. she just she just responded with a laughy face and said, "I'm flattered," which <laughs> the fact that she saw it, like maybe we'll get the gears turning and she'll get in there. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> well, I think I think she because she's qualified, right? She's she is qualified. She knows absolutely. She's got a juris doctorate. She knows how to negotiate. We've seen her negotiate on behalf of players before. So she got Trevor Bauer a heck of a deal. She sure did. So if she's not too busy doing other things, maybe she could take over to, for Tony Clark. Or someone else. It doesn't have to be Rachel Luba. We just think she's right. awesome. But mm-hmm. yeah, I know anyway. it's it's frustrating though to see that like you can. T- I feel like you can tell that the owners just don't 
just don't think that they're on the same field. Well, they're not respecting the players. And so if you've got a former player in there, how are they going to respect that? You know what I mean? It feels like, I don't know. I'm, I agree with you. Yeah. I don't even have anything to add. Just (laughs) Well, there's your lockout update for the week. Very good, Brad. (laughs) Holy guacamole, Brig. Let's get the only other thing that's new is that today the U S secretary of labor, Marty Walsh said that he is willing to get involved in this. He says, this is my job. This is what I do. I get involved. I help settle things. I help grease the skids and make things easy. Um, I can be impartial. And so far, none of that has been accepted. None of that assistance that we well, know. Do you know of. Brig, do you know what happened last time the federal government got involved with labor negotiations in Major League Baseball? No. Nothing. <laughs> it, 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 they didn't help end why. the strike. Yeah, because they were involved in 94. They didn't help involved, like end the strike. Yeah. Uh, after they got involved, the World Series was canceled. Like, yeah, it's nice. Like the sentiment is nice for him to be like, "Look, this needs to happen. I'll get in there, but it's not going to do anything." No. no. So the what the only thing that's going to change anything is the owners manning up and stepping up to the table to actually negotiate, and, and hopefully finding somebody else who can do it. Yeah, I think we need exactly. to overhaul both sides. It's, but we've made that very clear. We have we have made that very clear. Uh, so, but speaking of of the lockout and potentially missing time games, whatever. I thought this was funny. Basically it came out this Brian Snicker said the manager of the Braves. He said that he doesn't care about you brig or spring training um, or your kids <laughs> or your kids. Yeah. He doesn't get, care about anybody. He doesn't care um, about your kids. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> I thought this was, I thought this quote was very interesting. He said, I've said it before. It's probably too long. I think we need four weeks to actually get them where we want them. Two years ago, we shut, we shut down. This is for the pandemic. I only had these those guys playing four innings, and we were two weeks in. And it's like, well, isn't a big part of spring training for your uh, for your minor leaguers? Yeah, player development. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. And and yeah, guys are like getting ready, like they have to be ready by the time they get to spring training. But like, part of spring training is conditioning for the season, so you don't have injuries. Yep. I don't know. It's weird. And like, I get it. Like guys aren't getting paid during spring training. You don't want to work without getting paid. I understand that fully, but it's still important to do it. (laughs) It's like stretching before you work out. It's like, or like a warm up, right? Like do the warm up. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. It's a warm up. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it's, and honestly, I feel like fans need it too. We do. Right. Because we've gone, and, and I think we're kind of spoiled as fans, as baseball fans, because uh, football they're used to having just content to fill in most of the league, most of the time, right? And yes. basketball they get summer league where you watch the young kids play, and like it's like you just scratch the edge of basketball. But baseball, you're like, we get like a month and a half of fake baseball just to watch and enjoy it, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, but that's a lot also of the, country, the league gets revenue. It does. Yeah, it does get so some revenue I don't from feel that. selfish. I don't feel spoiled because it's it's a quid pro quo. Everybody wins. Yeah, it is. And and I feel like there are parts of the country that need to see that sunshine too, honestly. Oh, Whether they're yeah. there or not, they need that sunshine coming in through the TV. Uh, bro. And I'm in willing Utah to... all those years? I'm telling you. <laughs> Living in Washington all those years, man. Let me tell you. Yes. <laughs> exactly. But as someone who now lives in Arizona, I'm willing to share the sunshine with everyone. <laughs> it is an abundance. <laughs> <laughs> Very. Thank you for not having a fixed mentality, Brad. <laughs> Very wonderful. Go. 
So Adrian <laughs> Gonzalez is going to retire. He has announced his retirement. And I think that's important to point out because he is going to announce his retirement. So it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's like I, really, I saw the headline. Legitimately, Brig, I was like, is this like three years old? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what? So who cares? But we put it on there because in case you didn't know, he didn't actually retire. He just told us he was going to and then didn't. Well, no, quietly. I, think, I think what it was is, so he left the Mets, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then he went and he played in the Mexican leagues for a couple of years. And I think that he's just kind of ruled out coming back to Major League Baseball. Because I think, honestly, from a distance, he's like, I don't want any of that. I'm good. No, I'm for done. sure. Well, once you step <laughs> away from the chaos and the toxicity, it's hard to jump back in. It is. Yeah, it truly is. It, but It really is. So. so I feel like Adrian Gonzalez though, had, a, had a really solid career. Um, <laughs> he played for the Red Sox, had a did great there. He was given like a $150 million seven-year deal, whatever, with the Red Sox. And then he was traded with Carl Crawford and Josh Beckett to the Dodgers. And that was supposed to be like the holy trinity for the Dodgers. was supposed to lead them to the World Series. But really, yeah. Adrian Gonzalez was the only guy who panned out for them. That's right. He, he had some great years with the Dodgers. Uh, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I'd put him in the Hall of Very Good. Right. Hall of Solid, even. Um, but not a Hall of Famer. So Nope. But good for him for putting together a solid career and and uh, <laughs> letting us know that he is now officially retired. <laughs> Let's talk about a Hall of Fame career, though, whether you like it or not. And his retirement is now official. It's Joe West. Joe you West can be a compiler and be a Hall of Famer. Yes, that's true. The minute he's eligible, he's going to be a Hall of Fame umpire. <laughs> he will be, despite everything. Despite everything. Just, just yeah. the way it is. Yeah, and part of it, I, there is something to be said with longevity with umpires because they do take a beating. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I've heard of umpires retiring because of concussions, which is not something you think about as because you don't really pay attention to the umpires, right? You just yeah, kind of let right. them do their thing and let it roll. But... Uh, but yeah, no, I feel like his longevity goes a long way to to making him a Hall of Famer. He is he holds the number one slot for total games called at five thousand three hundred seventy six. The next, next closest, Bill Clem from nineteen oh five to nineteen forty one. Wow, <laughs> with five thousand three hundred sixty nine. Um, is, is there anybody next in line after that? Gary well, da- is, or but... Jerry Davis. Jerry Davis is currently um, umpiring. Looks like he might be down in the Mexican leagues from 2000 to 2021. So hmm. that that still that still stands. Everybody else is quite far away mm-hmm. uh, by th- by you know a thousand games or so. But um, but yeah, Joe West has been doing it for a very long time. Yeah, and that that many games. That's awesome. That's really cool. You know, and and despite, and like I say, despite everything, like the the razzing from the players, fans, everything like that, because there is consist inconsistency, and we've addressed this before. Um, but I mean, remember a few years ago, we saw. I think we saw what the players really think about Joe West when yeah. Nelson Cruz went up to plate during the All Star game and had yeah. Yadi Molina take a picture with him. I loved that. Right. So I, I feel like that's what we really see the level of respect between players and umpires, despite everything that we hear and see. Yeah. Except Let me Angel issue Hernandez. a correction really quick. I didn't read the the key to these statistics, but uh, either Gary or Jerry Davis is a uh, ha- he started umpiring he's at 5000 games, started umpiring in. 
1982 and through 99, he was a National League only umpire. And then now from 2000, 2021, he's been a major league, uh, league wide umpire. Joe West also was a National League umpire from 76 to 99 and has been a league wide umpire from 2002 to 2021. So the next nearest guy uh, is 376 games behind Joe West right now. And that's still quite a bit, especially considering I think they only umpire about 140 a year. So, mm. I mean, only, but they don't do 162. They they get a couple mm. weeks off at a time. Yeah. So very cool. Very good. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. When we get back, we're going to talk about some of the most exciting bursts of action in sports. No matter which ballpark you're at, you want to rep your team. Now you can with 9 Plus Us. Welcome to the Big City Series. With every design available in your team's colors, you can fit in with the home crowd or stand out on the road. Either way, we have the colors you crave. Shop the Big City Series and find designs that rep your favorite baseball podcast, cheer from the cheap seats, and much more. Shop the Big City Series only at 9plusus.com. The Nunther Sports Podcast is the home of sports talk for everyone. Every other week, you can catch David and Jason as they talk about all things sports. From current events to classic moments and everything in between. You can find the Nonlinear Sports Podcast on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and more. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Welcome back, baseball family. For this segment of the podcast, Brad and I have decided we are going to discuss what we think are some of the most exciting moments in all of baseball. But in order to do that, we need to preface it just a little bit with some context. I ran across an article that you can find at vault.si.com. Obviously, it's Sports Illustrated's vault. And it was published September 29th, 2003, called 12 Reasons Why the Triple is the most exciting 12 seconds in all of sports. All well, of real quick, my words. <laughs> that link is sports. down in the description. That link is down in the description of the podcast as well. So you don't have Perfect. to go search for it. We got it ready for you. We'll put it there for you. Way to go, Brad. I love that. Okay, so um, this was written by, oh, it just says SI staff. That's crappy. <laughs> <laughs> it, means it's a, some, it means it's somebody who's no longer with the company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Oh, uh, yeah, it doesn't even have a byline at the bottom. Okay. Um, anyway, okay, so what this article, are, I think, really well did a good good, a good job of is arguing why the triple is uh, so rare these days, where it used to be such a big deal and now it's not, um, how it is affected by so many different factors, by the dimensions of the ballpark, where the ball is hit, whether the shift is on or not. Where you know in the out in the outfield, obviously, um, where the gaps are in the defense, wh- who's pitching, who's at the plate, what the situation is with runners on or not, right? All these different factors and these different variabilities come into play, and where it once was more of a staple, it is no longer a cultural necessity among hitters because they're always going for angle and they're launching the ball. So we see obviously a lot of flyouts instead of or in sacrifice flies that would have potentially could have been triples in the past or in a different ballpark with its different dimensions um, and different things like that. So 
This article argues that the triple is the most exciting 12 seconds, not just in baseball, but in all sports. I happen to agree with that. I love the triple, but this article also explains one of the problems with the triple. And I have to caveat my opinion with that. Okay. Okay. What is, what is, so what's the, what's the trouble with the triple trouble? The trouble with the triple is you had to be there because if you're looking at the field, you can see all of the movement that's going on. You can see where the cutoff men are positioning themselves, whether it's advantageous or not. You can see the runners booking it around the base, the base path. You can see, and all of this you can take in with your peripheral vision. The article does a really great job of explaining that when you're on watching it on television, you cannot get that much information that quickly. It's not because all of the different camera angles that jump to show the play developing leave Mm -hmm. you at a fraction of the information you need to truly appreciate the, the dynamic of what's happening on the field because they have to show, and they, they make this clear in the article, you get the guy in the box, he hits the ball. Then you see it go up into the air a little bit. And then they cut to the guy on second, who's running around to third base or whatever. And then they get the guy thrown to the cutoff man. And now we cut to the runner again. And then there's the third base umpire rolling his hand around or whatever. And you're getting little teeny snippets of information based on what the producer thinks you should see and Mm -hmm. not what the entire situation is showing you in the field on the field. So the issue with the triple is you had to, you have to be there to really get it. And I understand that, but I do feel like if you have a good production, like a good production team, they can do a great job of, uh, of illustrating that because I feel like sometimes when you're watching, uh, the production team under- knows that you understand a ball hit over here, like say like there's a ball hit down the right field line. Most fans understand that a, once a ball is hit down the right field line, you know, and it's kind of, but we'll say by a right-handed batter. So it's tailing towards the foul line. If that ball drops fair, all they have to do is show the runner touch third base and you know he's scoring. That's it. Just a flash, yeah. right? Yep. But you want to see that ball get down first. And then yep. and then the production team understands that from there, you show the ball continue to roll, and then you show the guy coming to second, and then you go back and you show the, the fielder getting the ball and making the throw because you can you at that point you know that runner's going to third and you're anticipating. And I feel like the anticipation of the throw getting to third. That is huge. It's that's huge. where that's where I'm squatted down in the middle of my living room, going, "Oh, get him!" Or yeah. get it, you know, slide, slide, slide. Yes, yeah. And that's the thing is that you have to you have to leg out a triple. Like it's a gutsy. You're if you miss that second base just wrong, or you know, not don't miss the base, obviously. But if you don't take that turn just perfectly, if you aren't thinking three from the mm-hmm. moment you leave the box, it's mm-hmm. never going to happen. And so you and then you have to understand who's in the outfield or who's, who, you know, who's down that alley. If you're, you're going to make it, is it going to carry them off some wall in some funky direction? Like mm-hmm. and it, there's so much going on that everything has to happen almost perfectly for a guy to beat the throw and make it all the way to third base from the box. Yes. Yes. And I had to tell you, Brig, I, I love a triple like as somebody who loves to play like old man softball, a triple. Yeah for me is like a ton of fun because I don't like to hit for power. I like to put the ball right where I want it. And this is something I used to do in high school too. And I'd play like pickup softball or whatever with, with friends is that if you put the ball perfectly, like I said, as a right-handed batter down the right field line and it's tailing and it hits yeah. just fair and then keeps going into the corner, you're at least on third base every single time. Right. 
And I always, I always remember telling, telling guys I played with like, dude, like you're better direction, like in baseball games, like you're better directional hitting, hitting than I am. Everybody's shading you to the left, hit the ball to the right field line and everybody's scoring. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But, and there were, I played with guys who could do it. You know, most of us couldn't cause we were 15, 16, but yeah, it's, it's fun. It's exciting to watch. I do love a triple. It's, it's a good time for everybody. It's I'll, everybody's I'll involved. That. Every the whole the whole field shifts and moves, and mm-hmm. the, I feel like the entire fan base can get involved because it, the stakes are huge on either side of the game. So mm-hmm. anyway, I thought it was. I want to know what this. What you guys think, baseball family? Read the article. Tell us if you agree or disagree that the triple is the most exciting twelve seconds in all sports. Um, but we also have some other exciting stuff that we want to talk about because. That isn't the only time you are locked in, glued to the TV, jumping up and down, screaming or squatting in your living room, like Brad said, <laughs> holding your head in your hands, trying to figure out if it's going to be okay or not. Right? There are other situations. Got to get low to the like ground that. to minimize the impact when you fall over in despair. <laughs> right. oh. there's, there's no rollover risk if you have a low center of gravity. Right? Exactly. <laughs> so we have come up with a list of three each, three instances each in baseball. Uh, situationally that that we think are are locked in moments right we we cannot stop watching and i mean for me the hall of fame announcement was that way this time right like i said i was jumping up and down and (laughs) screaming and whatever so that's not on my list either that we'll call it an honorable mention i guess but brad what's your very first what's your number or number three or we can go up or down i don't care what's one i'm just just my third my i feel like among these three the third most exciting uh, I have to up the ante from the triple and go with the inside the park home run. And this is what I told you when we were having this conversation. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know. But then I remembered the caveat of 12 seconds. I was like, okay, so maybe an inside the park home run is the most exciting 15 seconds in sports. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> because yes. it's going to take a miss. It's going to take, generally speaking, a misplayed ball, an outfielder coming in to dive for a ball, and he misses it, and it rolls to the wall, and the center fielder's got to run over from where he was to get the ball. The thing that's exciting about an inside the park home run and a triple is you can't just crush the ball. You can't just hit the ball hard somewhere, right? Yeah. It's not that like, it's not like in little league when you hit when the kid comes up and he's like, every time he hits the ball, it goes to the fence, and then everybody's chasing the ball and he just runs around the bases, yeah. right? Because that's not no. the way things work when you get <laughs> even to high school, you yeah. know. So, an inside the park home run is exciting to me because it comes down to placement of the ball. And how it's played. Um, I hate this moment uh, because of who was involved. But when the All-Star game was in San Francisco, we saw Ichiro hit a ball out to right field. And so that wall out there kind of comes out and then goes across. And there was like a brick or something that jutted out Mm -hmm. just enough. And Ken Griffey Jr. was going over, and he was ready to play that ball perfectly off the wall. But, of course, it being Ichiro, he probably did it on purpose because that's what he does. (laughs) The ball hit the right side of that brick and shot, just absolutely flew over towards the foul line. And Griffey's standing in right center field ready to play this ball perfectly. Ichiro, who can fly, he's basically on third base before Jr. even gets to the ball. And then it's like... And I remember everybody after the game, they're just like, that is the worst, literally the worst thing that can happen in this ballpark. And it just like, amazing. it made my hero look like a fool kind of, you know, <laughs> because he yeah. just played this ball <laughs> off the wall. But everybody's like, that's just like a weird thing of baseball, you know? <laughs> it really is a weird thing. But it's it's exciting because it's like, oh, shoot, Ichiro can move. Is he going to get around? And he did. He got around. He got around fast. So, I love it. 
that's why I think that an inside the park home run is one of the most like the most three most exciting moments in baseball. I love it. For my number three, I'm going to go with a rundown. I love a rundown. Mm. I love guys getting caught in the base paths and the ball going back and forth and lots of like slip sliding around and juking and trying to stay on the base path, but trying to try not to get tagged. And then there's all this like next door rotating, uh, like cut bag coverage from the outfield and the infield and the pitcher. And everybody's, everybody's standing there like rotating in and out. It's like a freaking merengue dance or something, <laughs> uh, you know, in the infield. And I just love it. And I, I gotta be honest when Javi Baez is involved, it's more exciting than it's ever been ever. Yeah. Because he's just, remember when he stole first base or who he went back, he got caught in a rundown <laughs> on the, the, between home plate and first base. And I was like, this is crazy. Who the is only guy, this guy? The only guy who get caught in a rundown between home and first. And then he made it. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I love it. So I it think is a rundown exciting. is it's it's so exciting. It's so much fun to watch. You know who I would just you know who I can think of somebody off the top of my head who would disagree with you about the most exciting play being a rundown. Who? The official scorekeeper. Oh, <laughs> because, because I've been sitting next to an official scorekeeper when that happened. Okay, now what happened? Well, if I remember right, it yeah. was six five four five six three two seven eight nine six five three two one. Are yeah. you sure the pitcher made that out? I think so. I think he was I the one so. who had the ball when the guy ran out of the line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> very exciting. Especially when you got somebody that won't give up. The Sandlot moment, too. Just every time it happens. Pickle! Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I I feel like if it's a caricature in a film about baseball, it's probably quintessential for a reason. So I would think so. Yeah, that's a good one. I don't know why I didn't think of that. That's awesome. Uh, So another one I came up with, though, is a suicide squeeze. Yes, A bunt. Yes! So I have been uh, on both sides of Suicide Squeeze. Yeah. And that is the most stressful stuff you will ever (laughs) come across in your entire life. Now, I've established, I think today even, that I was never fast. Like ever, ever, ever fast. (laughs) Not even a little bit. Um, And I remember standing on third and watching the the coach send in the signal to the batter. And I just looked down like, freaking serious? Yeah, you think you can do it? No. No. Well, you better get ready because it's happening. <laughs> you know? And it worked. The kid laid down a perfect bunt and I scored. And I've been on the other side too. And it's like, there is never more pressure. Like they say in a hit and run, like just swing the bat, try to get the bat on the ball. Right. But yeah. there is never more pressure to get the bat on the ball than in a suicide squeeze. And, well, and once you tip your hand. Oh yeah. I once mean, that runner kind of, starts going, once yeah. that runner starts heading home, you're either ducking to get out of the way, getting ready to hit, get hit by the pitch, or you're putting that ball down, right? Because those are the only three things that are going to happen. Yeah. Um, but like seeing awesome. it in a game, um, and I feel like in Major League Baseball, you know when it's going to happen. Everybody mm-hmm. knows when it's going to happen. Or you've got that a guy it's possible. on third. Yes, you've got a guy on third who's really fast, a really smart base runner. You've got a guy at the plate who is just really good at putting the bat on the ball, whether it's swinging or bunting, just a really good bunter, right? Yeah. And and the announcers always will always say, there goes the runner. It's like, oh, here it comes. Yep. And then the pitch comes. You see the guy square around last second, and you see guys come in from the side charging. 
That is an exciting moment. And the anticipation leading up to it. And like, yeah, sometimes it can be incredibly anticlimactic, right? Because if he gets a perfect bunt down, the only play is at first. Yep. And the, the defense, nine times out of ten, will take that. But the anticipation of the ball coming in and the contact being made is so, so much anxiety is induced there. And it's exciting. That's what I love about anxiety, about these places. They're all anxious <laughs> plays. And I love it's, about anxiety. Yeah, I love anxiety. <laughs> Just can't get enough anxiety in my life. <laughs> this has been brought to you by caffeine. Um, okay. so <laughs> All right. Yes. yes. My number two is um, I want to see a no-no developing in the seventh inning. That's... For me, that is must-see TV. And by the sixth inning, it's like, okay, uh, we have a little bit of hope. And often by the eighth or the ninth, it's over, right? But so mm-hmm. there's that magical moment for me in the seventh inning when we've, we've, we've gone past six innings, and now we're like, oh, this is serious, right? Like, we, there's, there's only nine outs left. Like, we're, we're there, man. Like, we're there. It's less, fewer than 10. There's under 10 left. And it's, it's just, it feels palpable. It feels within reach. Everybody's doing that thing where they're like, don't talk about it. Just shut up. Like (laughs) they're shaking their head. The eyebrows are raised. Like, are we on the same page or do I have to punch you in the mouth? Right? Like, so everybody's (laughs) tense. Everybody's excited. Everybody's chewing on their fingernails. And you're just like, this inning needs to get over baby. So that I can, cause that dude's coming right back up. So just kind of hurry and get through this portion of the inning. And I, I think that's there's just something electric about uh, no-no stepping onto the mound at the seventh inning. There, yeah, I would absolutely agree with you. That's one of the it's fantastic because like you know they'll talk about it a little bit in the fifth, sixth inning. Like they'll say so and so has not given up a hit through five innings, not given up a right. hit through six innings, or has been has retired the last fifteen batters in order. Whatever you know, yeah. they'll say things like that to work around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then as you. And then as you get into the late innings, though, like, and I never put any stock into it, especially when they say, well, he's, he hasn't, or uh, nobody's reached first base through five innings. I'm like, yeah, no, because the dude's dealing today. And it still takes sometimes three times through the order before you get a hit when a guy's thrown like this. That's right. But yeah, the seventh inning, I feel like is when it's really like a at risk and B Mm -hmm. really meaningful. Right. Yep. Yep. If you get through the seventh inning and now you're you're not a baseball fan if a no-no continues into the eighth inning and you're not paying like legitimate attention i feel like that so that's why the seventh is magical to me because everybody starts to turn their heads you start to see like oh wow like this is actually going to happen potentially you know i don't know the stakes are high and i love it yeah i i think it's great and and the specifically the seventh inning is it's perfect that's a good spot all right. And well, do you I want have... to take a break or do you want to just roll into our next one? Let's just roll through. Let's just keep going. Let's I push so through the break. Yeah. I think we can. Um, so the next, my last one here that I have is uh, another late inning thing that we have here. Mm. Right. So um, it doesn't have to be no hitter. It just has to be specifically a two run game. All you need oh, is a runner man. on second and a guy who can hit because. I've been in that situation so many times, Brig, watching the Mariners over the last three, four years. That there was a guy on second down to late in the game. It's like, oh, come on. You just just cut the lead in half. 
or tie it. I don't care which one you do, but if you cut it in half, and especially with there's two outs, it's like you've got the opportunity here to come in. And if it like seventh inning, say seventh inning, you can yeah. go in the late innings, down one. Eighth inning, go into the ninth inning, down okay. one. That's Still all you okay. need. Yes. All you need. And that is some of the most anxiety-inducing baseball I have ever seen in my entire life. And over the last couple of years, I've seen the Mariners have the bases loaded a ton, a ton, down two, three runs, and then strike out. Yeah. I've I've almost gotten to be jaded with the bases loaded. That it's yeah. runner in scoring position down two. That I'm. That's when I'm like, come on now, come on, you got to get it. Um, that. That whole entire at bat for me is so stressful and so exciting that I am glued, and sometimes I will clock out from work to watch those if it's a day, if it's a day game, yeah, because I can't do anything else, right, at all, exactly. <laughs> um, I love that because mine's eerily similar. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> I was like, hmm. <laughs> Because mine is the bottom of the ninth with two outs, two or more runners on, or one. If it's going to be one runner on, they have to be in scoring position. And I want to see a bruiser at the plate with one runner, either the tie game or it's a one run game. That's exactly what I want to see. I want to see it's, I want all or nothing right there. Mm -hmm. It's all on the line. And it's not going to go to, um, I don't want it to go to extras necessarily. I'm not hoping, sitting around hoping for that. Although I do love extra inning baseball. I'm just free pizza is free pizza. I love it. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so I'll Especially take it. Especially when you're there, it's the best. It is the best. And so I know a lot of people are like, oh, extra innings. But I'm like, well, whatever. You know, I get more for my money. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, bottom of the ninth, two outs. It's like that thing, right? It's like bottom of the ninth, two outs, full count. The pitcher takes a long look at the runner at second, right? That's <laughs> quoting my favorite baseball documentary. Yes, so yes. that's, um, but that's, for me, that's just insane. And if you do it at Yankee Stadium, everybody's on their feet, right? And they're and that's most places, I guess, these days. But everybody's on their least. feet, yeah. and they're all excited about it. And yeah, yeah, it's the yeah, bomb. No, that's well, and it's it's as close to sudden death as you get in baseball. Yeah, right. Because especially if you, even if it's like you said, down down one run with runners on second and third, like that's sudden death right there. Yeah, because that ball drops that runner from second is scoring, and that game is over. Um, yeah. But no, that's awesome. That's a that's a perfect moment. Um, it's just like yours. It's almost exact overlap. Yeah, it is almost. I mean, <laughs> if we were going to overlap, that was going to be it right there. It's close um, enough. But yeah, that actually reminded me of something, Brig. That I think we were going to talk about a couple weeks ago, but I just totally spaced it. Um, hmm. Along the lines of sudden death baseball, did you know about this? I saw that. I think it's the Atlantic League is going to be implementing sudden death baseball, where. It goes in. I think they play the tenth inning, and then beyond that, uh, the managers come out for or captains come out for a coin flip, and then it's kind of like football where you either choose offense or defense. Whoa! And then if the defense gets the stop, they win the game. If the offense scores a run, they start with the runner on second. If they score a run, or no, they start with the runner on first. Sorry, runner on first. Okay. If the offense scores a run, they win. Wow. Talk about anxiety inducing. Holy moly. Totally. Totally. <laughs> and Which, that the purest in me is against, but also oh, yeah. that's exciting. It's very exciting. I think that I would I'm curious to see. I would love to see if they implemented it anywhere else um and had it effective like at all. Uh because yeah. that's that's too much. <laughs> like it'd be so much fun to watch. 
it's a lot like the Pioneer League putting the home run derby together. Well, the the knockout, right? Can't oh call yeah, the, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. The knockout. Oh, but still, yeah, no, it's the same kind of thing though. Where the PBO knockout. TVO yeah, knockout. where they're trying to shorten the length of games because you're not making money anymore. You're not, you know, mm-hmm. no gate concessions are shut down. Whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a reason it's called free baseball. <laughs> that's right? what I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah. baseball <laughs> so but anyway I love go it. ahead and wrap us up brig all right baseball family thanks for joining us as always we always have a good time what do you think are the most exciting moments in baseball like did we miss one we could have missed one maybe two i doubt we missed two but we could have missed one <laughs> and if we did we want you to tell us to call us out jump on the uh, the comments and YouTube or, or leave us a voicemail, jump on baseballtogether.com. You can leave us a voicemail. Tell us what you think are the most exciting moments in baseball for you and your people. Also, don't forget to jump on the shop at nineplusus.com. As always, it's N-I-N-E-P-L-U-S-U-S.com, nineplusus.com. I got my KBO uh, NC Dinos shirt on today that inspired by the NC Dinos. And uh, Brad's got his official podcast t-shirt on as well. Um, we are setting up some new stuff so that you'll have access to some discount codes and things like that on the shop. When we get that figured out all the way, we will let you know, but it is coming. So stay tuned and back to you, Brad. (laughs) Thank you, Brig, for that. Uh, You can also jump on baseballtogether.com. We've been uh, putting some more content up there so you can read about baseball. You can also watch and listen to the podcast there as well. Um, Again, that's baseballtogether.com. There's a, a link in the in the navigation up there where you can drop us an email in the, in the uh, mailbag. Why have I struggled so much with that the last two weeks? Break? I, oh, I no, cannot <laughs> grab the word mailbag, but send us your questions, comments, concerns, Snyder remarks, whatever you prefer through the mailbag at baseballtogether.com. There's also a link in the description all the time for that. And don't forget to like subscribe, rate and review the podcast. Follow us where you can and baseball family. We'll catch you next week. Mm-hmm.